0: Thank you. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Clutch Conversations. It's your boy Mike. We are back at you on a Thursday night, but we're not live tonight. This is a pre-recorded episode. So just keep that in mind as you put in your comments. We're not gonna be able to pull the comments up to the screen because it is pre-recorded, but that don't mean we're not gonna have a good time because we're gonna have a good ass time. Because this is a dope episode. We got the homie shane from small town and zodiac's in the house tonight but first and foremost let's do some housekeeping shout out to my lovely wife to carl she don't have to control the comments tonight because again we're not live but shout out for always always holding us down shout out to all the people in the chat who come and show us support each and every week listen to the podcast following us doing all that please make sure you hit that like button tonight if you aren't already subscribed please subscribe. And make sure everyone hit hits that notification bell. All of that really helps us out. We appreciate the support. We also are on all major podcasting platforms. So if the audio only is your jam, guess what? We there for you on all major podcasting platforms. So that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. I can't even talk. Spotify, all that. We are there all the time. So make sure you come check us out on there. Make sure you are supporting US Art and US Art Florida. The link for both of those organizations are in the description of the video. Please go get your membership. If you're not a member, please give donations. If you can give donations, do whatever you can to help support those organizations because Both of those organizations are fighting for our rights as reptile keepers. So make sure we're showing support because they need us in this fight. So, like I said, tonight we got Shane from Small Town Exotics. But first, we're going to kick this intro. We're going to kick this intro. Baby, baby. You listen to me, I got that flavor
1: I know you're dying to feed, I ain't no dancer Just
0: got some hip in my feet, now throw your hands up Ooh. You bring the lighter, I got the fuse You make fire, I'll add the fuse episode 55 small town exotics what's good bro how's it going going good man how are you pretty good pretty good man just cooling it on a sunday uh had a whole bunch of stuff to do earlier but now 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 chilling you're ready to have some fun how about yeah. you
1: yeah i'm ready to Make have some fun today. too uh i'm ready to have some fun too uh you know did sunday stuff went out to eat and all that stuff and uh Reptile chores are every Sunday too, so all that's taken care of. And yeah, man, it's been a good day.
0: Weather's good, can't okay. complain. Okay. Yeah, okay, you went out. Yeah. To eat, you went out to eat with the family.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how how many kids you got? All together, we got eight kids, but okay. they're all older and out except for two. There's two younger okay. ones that live with us, and then I have a a high school daughter that lives in california still so
0: okay 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 yeah man we we actually got right into it but real quick for somebody who might be coming through who might have been living under a rock for the last few years introduce yourself and give us a little bit, a bit about your background hi my name is shane kelly i run small town
1: exotics uh we breed ball pythons our main deal is ball pythons and we do dabble in hognose leopard geckos and i'm just starting to collect some locality boas for you know long longer term stuff and uh yeah man we're uh we started up in started collecting in 2019 and started breeding in 2020 so yeah we, we got a few years under our belt but we're still relatively new as well never claimed to know it all and always trying to learn
0: cool so uh a, a random wild question right off the back so tell everybody something that a lot of people might not know about you. What's something you can think of you want to share?
1: Oh, man, I think most people know everything about me at this point. But, uh, I mean, I'm from a little town in Santa Paula, like outside of L.A. So, like, I was in Southern California my whole life, but I was kind of secluded. I grew up in a small town, and that's kind of where we got our name. And Unless you had a car, it felt like you were on a different planet, you know. So, growing up, <laughs> I was kind of like – stuck in my little town until i was able to like you know get a job and and venture out to other places so yeah man that's that's probably something i haven't talked about much is yeah i I was raised in a little small town and what i mean by small town that's like southern california small town so it was like the town was three miles long but it had about a population of like twenty six thousand. so there was kind of a lot of people there but it was just like a little town in the middle of orange orchards surrounded by orange orchards everywhere so
0: okay that's what's up so what'd you say the name of it was? Name of the small Santa, town?
1: Santa Paula. It's in uh Ventura County, the next yeah, county yeah. up from LA, right below got Santa it. Barbara, just kind of sandwiched in between those two. So close to got the beach and all that stuff too, you know.
0: Okay. And so you were there pretty much your whole childhood?
1: Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I, I lived in some other places, I lived in Oregon for a little bit as a kid, lived in Utah as a young adult, but for the most part I was in uh santa paula and then as an adult as a young adult i lived in ventura like the town right on the beach and then uh then before we moved to tennessee we had lived in bakersfield out in the desert uh for 10 years so total opposite from the beach scene we went out to the desert and it was a total different experience you know so <laughs>
0: <Heck yeah. laughs> so why'd y'all move out to the desert like did you relocate for work or something like that or
1: yeah there was a. Uh, I had better work opportunities up there and the cost of living is like half the cost versus living on the coastal side of things, you know. So
0: I'm
1: sure I'm sure it's like that anywhere there's a coast, you know, like the closer you get to the beach, the more expensive it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent.
1: Like a a quick example was like what we were paying for a two-bedroom apartment in Ventura our mortgage payment on our four bedroom house in Bakersfield was cheaper. So, I mean, it was like that drastic of a difference. That's why we're like, oh, would well, neither of us really like the desert, but if we want to actually own a home and start getting that, that part of our life established, we need to move out of, out, off the beach, you know, get, need to get out of the beach. So.
0: Yeah, man, it's, it, it gets expensive, man. In, in certain areas. Yeah. In Knoxville is the cost of living better than where everywhere you've been before.
1: Yeah, the the housing market's uh, similar to Bakersfield, but like everything else is cheaper. There's like hardly any taxes. Like, there's no state income tax, like taken out of my paychecks from my job or anything. And just it's like is gas. You know, like when you go to the gas station, I mean that that's cheaper. So like all that other stuff is cheaper. So
0: that's what's up. That's what's up. It's a whole
1: Car registration super cheap. So like in California it cost me 500 bucks a year to register my I have a Toyota Tundra, cost me 500 bucks a year. Here it's $65. $65. Oh,
0: that's a big deal cuz a huge yeah,
1: So like you start adding up all those little things and it, it is cheaper, you know.
0: Yeah, it starts to add up. Yeah, it's, it's amazing like how much more expensive just one place in in the same country can be. Right. You know I'm saying not that far away from each other sometimes. Like right. I live in Gainesville, Florida right now, and I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, and it's like an hour and a half away. Um, So not that far distance wise, but cost of living wise, man, is night and day. It's crazy. Right. Well, yeah, that's how it was.
1: That's how it was between Ventura and Bakersfield in California. So they're two hours away from each other. But like the cost of living was half the amount in Bakersfield and but all yeah. the jobs pay the same because you're still in that same area so it was just like kind of like a no-brainer when we did that move but
0: oh yeah hundred percent hundred percent so you say y'all been doing this since uh 2019 you said
1: yeah that's when we uh branded ourselves that's when we made our YouTube channel started buying our collection and just started building then so yeah
0: okay and how many iterations did you go through? Uh, before you landed on small town exotics was that like the first thing you came up with or did you kind of go through like a number of different iterations
1: um well publicly there it's only been small town exotics we kicked around a couple other names like before we started uh you know like using our last name and stuff but i was like man there's a lot of people that have their last name and then like my wife's name's kelly and her last name's Kelly, so we're thinking about playing something off that, like Kelly and Kelly, and whatever. And <laughs> I and mean, then like I said, we we're both from Santa Paula, California, so I said, well, let's do something with the small town. And then there's a Guns N' Roses song that sings about a small town. That's both of our favorite bands, so I was like, let's okay. just do small, small town exotics. The exotics kind of keep it open, so we can float around and do different things other than ball pythons and yeah. Uh, you know, and then that, that's just how it stuck. This is our second logo. I had a different logo at first for like a week and I didn't like it. So I just instantly tossed that one and, and then got this logo and yeah. And then How doing it? It? what
0: did that one look like? How was it different?
1: Uh, just uh, like, well, at first we had a, an E in the exotics. So it said S T E and it was a circle and it was just, I mean, it was a good logo, but it was just, it, it just didn't speak to me personally. And got then, you. uh, I don't know. I don't know if you remember, but like at that time when I was just like starting Instagram, like there was a lot of people on Facebook talking about a a social media site called MeWe. I don't know if you ever heard of it.
0: I have. Yeah, so like I said, I, I started I started
1: something over there too, but it wouldn't let me use the word exotics with an e. It was it was considering it like like a bad word.
0: Did it think it was like some? like some porn or something crazy yeah that's the only <laughs> thing
1: I could think of so I was like let's try dropping the e and it took that and I was like you know what let's just go with that and I, that was right when I was getting the the logo and stuff made too so I talked to the logo guy and he's like yeah man we could drop it and everything so yeah so that's how like we dropped the e because I was like well if that website's doing it possibly that might be a trend for the future and I don't want to have a name that's like I can't even use you know so
0: that's Got how you. that all,
1: that's how that all started.
0: Gotcha. So it seemed like y'all hit the ground running. So talk about y'all strategy um, when y'all first kind of came out and started like marketing yourselves and doing social media and all that. Talk about your strategy because it seemed like y'all y'all rose pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I, uh, man, I just started while well, I was listening to podcasts. So it was like bullshit and snakes and the fat man were the only ones back then. And that's where I kind of like started going on the business side of it. Like, oh, this, this little hobby of collecting snakes can actually be something more. My kids turned me on to YouTube. So then I started finding all the popular YouTube channels at the time. And uh, I seen Miguel from Always Evolving Pythons. And then I looked up his morph market. And I'm like, dang, he's like an hour and a half away from me. So I just I just went and bought some snakes off him. And like Chris from Dead Mouse, you don't see him around too much anymore. But I just like started buying from the... The well-known people that were in a drivable distance from me and every single one of them i would just talk to them and they're like miguel was a big influence on like he's like start a youtube channel and, and get your name out there that way that way when you're producing snakes you know people actually buy from you because they know who you are and i was like well shouldn't i wait till i'm actually bringing he's like no start it now it's like it's not like an overnight success so i owe that part to miguel man i mean big shout out to miguel on that. yeah yeah so uh i did exactly what he said and then i just started taking off and branching out and collaborating like back then that like COVID hit like March of 2020 or something. So then, uh, that was like, I used that to my benefit. I started dropping two videos a week collaborating with anyone and everyone. And then, uh, I, I seen a lot of gains too. I, I was in this group called the four horsemen and a uh, shout out to those guys, man. So there there's predator BP, uh, from England. Okay, and, and he ended up having the biggest bald python channel in england he has since like quit and got out and everything but there's uh richard predator bp from england my boy ron from bbm he's in puerto rico and then a guy named rob from malaysia and then me from the united states so there was a four oh, of international, us. yeah 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 so we're like a global little collaboration and then like behind the scenes there was never no squabbles because we we were never in direct competition with each other we weren't even in the same countries you know so it it was it was a pretty cool thing and that that started branching out and then yeah man I just I just kept reaching out to people and like Billy uh Brian Cusco just like started just branching out Jamie Cruz from Freedom Breeder I went and did freedom breeders tours like I just stayed every weekend that I was off man I was like traveling to go buy snakes and and shoot videos with people and it just all just all worked. I got lucky. I put in a lot of work, but there was a lot of luck involved there too, you know. So
0: gotcha. So talk about your approach. Like you were new in the game. A lot of these people, I'm assuming you didn't know. Um so talk about your approach of uh building those relationships, uh making contact with folks, setting up these collaborations, and then also uh speak to some of your favorite ones that you did early on that you can remember back on. All
1: right. Um I mean, the best way to knock on anyone's door is by buying a snake or buying something that they have. I mean, let's just be honest with it, you know. So uh, all these people, I would I would buy, buy something from them and then just request to meet them in person instead of having it shipped. And then, you know, then once you're face to face with somebody, you know, you get to know them and shake hands and all that stuff. And then it just it always branched out from there for me. Like I said, there was, there's luck involved too. And I hit it off with a, a lot of people in the beginning. Uh, my favorite ones, Miguel was, I, me and Miguel did a couple at his house and, uh, he's, he's a great guy, man. Like behind the scenes, he's a great guy. You know, he's not just like cool on camera. He's just a great guy and, uh, always, always helpful. I mean, that was probably my favorite one in the beginning to do any kind of collaboration with or any kind of business at, at all, yeah. You know? and, uh. Jimmy Cruz was a great one too that opened doors up like he was a few hours north of me and he has a real tight crew up there in the Fresno area and they do like during covid they were doing monthly parties and little reptile shows at their house so me and my wife would go up there and mingle with all them at, at Jimmy Cruz's house and and I, so that was always fun man i mean that was a i filmed a few videos up there but that was like i went up there to buy some snakes and film a video and then developed a friendship and uh like got drawn into a whole community that was, you know, just north of me and stuff. So, I mean, that, that was a real good one too. Those are probably my top two right there. And then of course the four horsemen for the ones I couldn't meet in in real life. I mean, that was a a great experience, man. I got to know the the three of those other guys and uh, like Ron from BBM reptiles. Like I still consider him like one of my mentors, you know, I could call him and he's like, He'll give you the brutal, honest truth of what's going on and what has to happen. If you got something going sideways with your snakes or something, you know, it's no sugar coating, you know, he'll tell you like, man, this one might have to be euthanized or what, you know, and I
0: appreciate
1: appreciate those kind of people, you know, I mean, it's not all sunshines and and rainbows and unicorns, you know, so.
0: Right. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. So speak to some other mentors that you had early in the game and kind of like your learning approach and how you got yourself up to speed with the ball Python game.
1: I, well, my attitude in life, not just with reptiles is like, I kind of look at everyone like a mentor at all experience levels. I mean, you can learn from everyone. So I'm, I always take that, you know, I always take that approach with everything. And, uh, like Jimmy Cruz was a good mentor. He he helped me ID and he taught me how to sex snakes. Uh, Miguel has always been a good mentor, like YouTube wise and helping me ID stuff in the beginning. Ron from BBM. Oh man, I know I'm gonna forget some people and they're gonna be <laughs> mad at me too. You know, uh, Chris from Dead Mouse helped me out a lot in the beginning. Billy from Mutation Creation. I mean, he he's always a good source too. Um, man, I don't know. Uh, Rob, his name's Royal Balls, the guy in Malaysia. That guy is like, he was a scientist in real life. So he's this, oh, nice. look at, he looks at everything from a scientific point of view. So that was, always. I mean, he's still a good guy for me to bounce ideas off of and stuff, you know? And, uh,
0: nice. And <laughs> I so mean, if you like, like, go ahead.
1: You know, I, I said like, my, I, I looked at everyone like a mentor though. Even nice. the people that came in after me. I mean, you can learn something from them too, you know? I mean, there's always ideas just be open to all the ideas you know? yeah
0: yeah 100 i agree man i'm the same way like i feel like you can learn something from anybody right, right. like you can even learn somebody who just like co- learn something from somebody who just like constantly messing up in the same field that you both like work in you can learn something from them just by seeing what they do and, and learning don't do this this way you know what i mean or don't do this you know what i mean or seeing right. how they react to something they mess up and get better i mean it's just so many ways that you can learn things from people. So you should never like close your mind and say, Hey, I've been doing this for X amount of years. And this person has only been doing it for Y amount of years. And so I can't learn anything from them. You can learn stuff from everybody. You know what I'm saying? And it's so many different moving pieces to this whole thing. You know what I'm saying? Cause you, you legitimately, you operate in a business where you're breeding like living animals. And so like, there's so many factors. There's all the biological factors. There's all the, the husbandry factors, there's all the business part of it with the advertising, the social media, the thinking through calls, how you uh operate in taxes. And so you can't be a subject matter expert in all those spaces. And so you're gonna yeah. have to learn about a lot of those spaces that you have to operate in from people and from resources. So you can learn stuff from from everybody. I'm a fine oh, yeah. believer in that.
1: For sure, man. Like one of my uh he's like a continuing mentor is uh Sal Gomez from Gomez Pythons. I mean that guy okay. We started out like building our brands at the same time, but a lot of people don't know he has been in the reptiles like since way back when, you know, he did boas, he did leopard geckos. He's been doing it. He just wasn't like branded the way he is today through all those years. And then he kind of stepped away. So that guy knows a ton. And I talk to him all the time, man. Now he's running marathons and breeding snakes and doing all you know. I mean, that, that dude's an animal, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't met it to the marathons yet. I'm not there yet, not quite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's like,
1: I just ran eight miles this morning and did an ice bath. I'm like, yeah, better you than me, buddy. I ain't doing
0: that, you know? <laughs> Yeah, he's kind of like Ozzy. Like uh, Ozzy was talking about like doing a bunch of running and he do the ice baths too. The um the cold plunge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not there with the marathons yet. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah, I definitely need to get in a better shape, though. I've been angling. I've been slacking lately, so I definitely need to step my game up in that space. I remember uh, one of the uh, first, it might not have been the first collaboration I saw you do, but I remember seeing you uh, do something with uh, Precious Pythons. I think it was a video where you came through and you like ultrasounded a bunch of her snakes. And like she was like super excited, super excited. I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I actually, I was traveling for work and I ended up outside of Indianapolis. So I went down there and Precious and Ryan, Ryan's from uh, 3-1 South Exotics, those two. I filmed with both of them and uh, hung out with them while I was working up there on the weekends, you know, and uh, they're both great people.
0: True, true. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty cool video. And just to yeah. see like the natural excitement too, like that was pretty cool so when you first got in talk about some of the projects you were investing in what was your mindset uh when you were getting into your projects like did you start off with the high-end stuff I remember you said you bought some from Miguel so that was probably some heat so what was your mindset when you was first starting out with the projects?
1: well I, I mean there's I think everyone goes through it at first I bought like a couple pets and then when I decided to start taking it like more serious uh I started dropping more money um but i wasn't i definitely wasn't buying like you know ultra high end i was like you know in that middle range and uh something miguel taught me too which you know he learned from justin was uh there was a general attitude back then like oh just have any kind of females and just get one powerful male and miguel was like no you want powerful females so then when you get like a, a cutting edge male, that's only a hat, you have good visual females to put them to. And then like, you're really ahead of the game that way and stuff. So that's something Miguel taught me in the beginning. I, I took that to heart. I was like, I was putting more money in my females than, than other people were recommending I, I do. So, uh, but as far as projects, man, I've always loved genetic stripe and I watched YouTube like every waking hour that I wasn't working or whatever for like the first two years, man. So I was like going way back in time. And I seen Justin do a video. He was at some show and, uh, he highlighted the G stripe clown, uh, ninja balls had it there at the show. And I seen that snake and I was like, damn dude, that's my project. You know? And so I started talking about it and there wasn't really much on morph market back then with that. So I was like, I'm going to start, you know, genetic stripes and clowns and start building double heads and, uh, I swear to God, everyone told me in the beginning, like, you're crazy. That's garbage. Anything with genetic stripe is stupid. And then, like, lo and behold, uh, I don't know, maybe a year later, maybe less, but, like, Justin and Ozzy both dropped a picture of them being in the project. And then everyone's like, oh, that's the best thing ever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Funny how that works, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: was like, oh, you guys all told me I was crazy, you know, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, like, that was something I started to build at the beginning was like having clowns and genetic stripes on both sides so I could uh, start doing double hats. And, uh, you know, those those double hats I made that first year are now breeding for me and stuff, too. So things are starting to come full circle for me on that. And then, uh, like, my wife has a little dream sickle project. So we made our first, like, visual dream sickle this year. And, like, I put some money in Sunset. And, uh, yeah, man, I just, I, I had puzzle and I had other stuff going too, but I last year I spent some time like really soul searching on like where my heart is and like because you only have enough rooms for for so many recessive projects, you know, and right. so like I got downsized. Like pieds were taking over my room, so I got rid of a whole bunch of pied because I had all had a whole nother season of double head G stripe clowns that I'd bred that were going to be moving over to the adult size, so it was like yeah so pretty much g-stripe clown hypo dg all mixing around in there that's my main my main focus i mean i still have a little bit of the pied uh here like the dreamsicle related stuff for the wife and that that's my main deal man and i might even reduce the the dreamsicle pied side of the stuff a little bit more man because like I'm just like every year I'm building more and more double heads and triple heads and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, I need more racks. And I I need more room.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It starts adding up quick. Like I was uh, sitting here today, uh, thinking through the pairings that I was uh, planning to do for this year and the ones I've already done. So the ones I've done and then the ones that I plan on doing, because these girls aren't as far as long, far along as some of my other girls. And then like I start adding up the total clutches and like I always like when I do the math, I always just assume it's gonna be six eggs per clutch, like on average. That's just a number I work with because I, I need a number to work with, you know what I mean, right. like to, to do math and to plan and stuff like that. And so like I'm doing the math, I was like, yeah, that math ain't mathing. Like I'm gonna need at least one more hatchling rack if I wanna do like all these pairs. And so like I start rethinking some things, like, ah, I might not do that, I might not do that, I might not do that, you know what I'm saying, and just like really refining refining it because I don't want to be a I don't want to be like like burnt out and have too much going on and like there's like a reality where that can be the case you know what I mean like just knowing all the other things I got going on and then be like spacing issues like I want to keep it like at a certain level and so I want to like make sure that um leveraging and utilizing that space, you know what I'm saying? Like to his maximum capacity. And like, I just want to like, make sure that everything that I'm doing is very intentional, a lot of purpose. And I'm really maximizing that space instead of like doing too much, because like right now it's not, I'm not at a place where I want to do way too much, if that makes sense.
1: Right. And I kind of unintentionally I didn't, obviously I didn't know the market was going to go the way it is right now, but last year I was like, you know what, instead of buying racks, I'm going to focus in on, uh, like cutting loose some projects. Like how I said, I got rid of puzzle and a lot of the pies and stuff. I'm like, I'm going to stay in the racks that I'm in now, but I'm going to do like the Aussie method where I'm kind of upgrading my genetics, moving on from some lower level breeders. I know it'll affect my production and stuff, but I had, uh, Let's see 2021, the winter of 2021. I I ended up having 21 clutches that year, but it was like 15 of them all dropped. Well, they all dropped whenever, but they were all hatching like right around Thanksgiving. So like all of a sudden, I was just flooded with babies, and I was like, "Man, <laughs> this is a lot of work yeah. to have them all at <laughs> once." And like we we weren't shipping till January, and I was like, "Man, they're here for a couple months too," and. I just remember thinking, man, I'm really overworked. And, you know, then I have the other species and stuff going on, too. So that's when I that's when I decided to kind of like do the Aussie method for 2022. Like, I'm not going to buy racks. I'm just going to move on older breeder females and grow up the better stuff. It'll affect my production, but it'll be better in the long run.
0: So. Gotcha. Yeah, I was talking to Steve Casino yesterday. Uh, he was at the, uh, the Lakeland show here in Florida. And he was talking about like his season last year and how he had like, I think he said 172 clutches and he had even planned to do less and he had pulled back on some of his breeding and said, when his daughter was like cleaning the cages and stuff like every day it seemed, or every week it seemed like, hey, you got another girl on eggs. You got another girl on eggs. You got another yeah. girl on eggs. <laughs> it's like, ah. So I ended up doing way more than I attended. And I, I, can, I can see that being like something that can, that can happen. You know what I mean? And so I, I'm definitely gonna pair back Uh, I am going to increase rack space, but I need that rack space, but I'm still going to like reduce some of what I, I'm going to do because the added rack space that I need is kind of like the rack space that I need for the level I want to be at. And so like this year, most of my purchases going to be like, uh, purchasing equipment, right? So like, I need, I need a rodent rack. So I want to get that and I want to get something like nice that I can have for like the long haul. Um, I need another uh snake rack. And so I'm going to I'm gonna get another uh, professional snake rack. And so right. that's, that's something else I can have for the long haul. I need show equipment. And so I need to invest in that. And so I'm going to do that. You know what I mean? And then, but most of the snakes that's added to, to my collection this year is all going to be holdbacks from parents that I did this right. year next year i'll probably invest a little bit more in snakes but this year i want to focus like my purchases and focus my resources on building the infrastructure of the business more right so i can position myself for when the market does bounce back to be to be ready to go
1: yeah yeah now i'm picking up what you're putting down and i'm right there with you man like a lot of the i don't really i spent a lot of money on females in the beginning like i was telling you but now i'm like Making the females that would cost me a lot of money if I wanted to go buy them, so I'm like, I ain't selling them because, like, in theory, I'm like, that one just saved me six thousand dollars. That one just yeah. saved, me like, that's a female I don't have to buy, so they're staying here, man. Yeah, so yeah, I, I plan on adding two racks this year, though. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm really interested in that new ARS hatchling rack, that one with the different tub size. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but they they unveiled it at Arlington. So, I'm looking uh, forward to looking at it at Tinley.
0: I think I saw one that had like more than 65 tubs. Is that the one yeah, you're talking it's like,
1: about? It's like 130 tubs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I like it because the tubs are closer to like a V18 size than those 10 series tubs, you know, that are like shorter and wider. They're, they're, they're like a little bit less wide, but they're taller. So, I don't know. I just like the the shape of them and stuff. So, I'm going to try one of those out.
0: So space wise, does it take up the same amount of space as the 1065 or or does it take up a whole lot more space or somewhere in between? It's
1: it's about the same size as a, as an adult rack, you know, like a, like a 50 or like a 40 series or a 55 series, but it's roughly the same size. I think it's a little, I think it's a little smaller, but it's like 130 tubs. So I'm going to add an adult rack and then add one of those baby racks is is what I'm going to add this year. Okay. uh,
0: Yeah, last year, I spent
1: money on males and didn't buy racks. This year, I'm going to spend that money on racks and and maybe not so many males, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this year, uh, rack-wise, I'm going to get, I need another 5540, so I'm going to get another 5540. And I need one more uh, sea serpent rack. Yeah. And so that'll give me three of those, and I should be good for a little while. Based on like the amount of uh production I want to do, that, sh- that should hold me over. I'm thinking,
1: yeah, I like those sea serpent hatchling racks, man, because you can use the-, the five series tubs, the eight series. I mean, like they're they're kind of universal, you know, you can set them up and you can move them out when you don't need them. And uh, I mean, they're easy to work with. I like them,
0: yeah, yeah, they make some really good racks. Like everything I got in here is either sea serpents or ARS, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I said they're both good brands and uh yeah, I, I like those sea serpent ones. I always order them with wheels, so then I can just like you can roll them right mm-hmm. out clean mm-hmm. behind them or just move them out. And, you know, they're they're easy to move, yeah know. I like them. <laughs> gotcha.
0: So if you like me, like even like with all the resources is out there nowadays, you, you've gone through some challenges uh on this snake journey. So speak to some of those challenges and about uh, the ultimate lessons you learned from going through some of that?
1: Well, one I haven't talked about too much. Uh, so when I moved from California to Tennessee, everyone's like, oh, man, your your season's going to be shot, you know? And I was like, okay, I'll just, you know, it is what it is. I got to move, so it is what it is. And, uh, and actually, the opposite was true. So I had like 17 pairings going on, and I ultrasound. So I ended up having 21 clutches that year that was my second season breeding I was like man that's a lot of that was a lot of babies what happened though was the following year so 2022 all my girls like went off food they weren't breeding I think like the move delayed it by a year like it took a year for them to catch up because I actually moved twice I moved to Tennessee and into a rental and then two months later I bought a house so I moved my whole collection twice within two oh, months God. Yeah, so I think it, like, delayed them a year until they, they started catching up. But I had a couple RIs come in. So then I went on, like, a NIDO testing spree. So I've changed how I, like, I didn't have NIDO or nothing, but uh, I changed how I, my biosecurity and how I do things around here because I was like, that was a really big scare for me because I was like, man, if this is NIDO and I'm losing my collection, like, whoa, I've just put in so much money and time more of the time than anything like how much blood sweat and tears you know from like podcasting yeah. you know, like just the social media side all this work that goes into it and uh so that that was a that was a battle and i i didn't i quit filming for a while because of it and stuff too because i was like i'm just focused on my snakes and uh and their their health and well well-being and it, it kind of like uh, kind of I'm not saying like depressed, but I was kind of like down spirited a little bit during all that. Which I mean, it's understandable. And uh, yeah, the leopard the leopard geckos were kicking off though at the time. So the leopard geckos, <laughs> and, like me and my kids, breed the leopard geckos together. Man, that that's what took me through the hard times, man. So uh, that
0: shout out that, to the leopard geckos. Yeah, man. <laughs> so like,
1: if I have any advice for anyone out there, it'd be like don't be scared to have like some, some other kind of species, man. Cause if something's going wrong somewhere else, man, that other species will take you through that, that rough patch, man. It, it worked for me. I was just like, man, I'm all leopard geckos right now. Ball pythons aren't doing nothing and I'm taking care of them and, and everything. So uh the biosecurity aspect, you know, I do things like in a certain order on certain days now, and I don't cross contaminate. And That was something I already kind of knew, And just from my normal job, you know, I work in safety management and stuff. So that was something I already knew. But like, I was just, it was kind of like ignorance is bliss. Like, oh, it won't happen to me. And those are just stories you hear about, you know, like from whenever, whatever. And uh, that, that, those few RIs popping up, like really hit home with me and took things, uh, made me take things more serious for biosecurity and stuff, man. That was like a big challenge. And so now it does take me longer to, to do things in my room. I'm real like careful like I wash my hands and sanitize between every level and you know all this stuff but uh, I I sleep better at night because of it you know like so if one snake didn't eat that week I'll, I'll instantly think wonder if it's getting an RI you know but now I'm like even if it was like I'm super careful between snakes and everything so even if it was it's just one thing it's not going to be going down the rack
0: you know so true yeah what do you think led to the RIs and like from like like a numbers perspective like percentage-wise how many of the snakes had RIs? Well, i say i had like five or six
1: pop up talk to my vet now uh, he prescribed some batrol and stuff so i was doing the injections i think it was like every other day and i don't know what what caused the ris honestly like i've racked my head over that i do know that it probably started with one snake so my my kids changed the water and so Uh, now i've taught them how to do it different you know but before they it was cross-contamination why because like you could tell like the the order they would change waters in like the ri started here and they went down and that's from them changing the waters you know going down the rack and so like i've taught them different now but uh totally not their fault or anything it's my fault but uh i don't know how the first one popped up i mean i don't know honestly because like I, d- I take all my snakes are real clean, you know, so I spot clean weekly every shed. I do a full tub swap, wash the the, the roof of the enclosure, you know, where the tubs slide in and out. I 10 everything, you know. So I don't know. I mean, they're animals, too. So. Yeah, but it, it was the breeders, though. So like when the breeders get, you know, when they're they're done laying, some of them don't get back on food. They're in their like weakest spot. And it was like in that group where it started you know so i'm just thinking if their immune system was down something happened or i who knows man i don't know
0: god gotcha. do you think stress uh like the stress of moving played a part in it
1: and that's what i think man uh like i said that 2022 a lot of my like breeder females didn't really want to eat so it was like a real super slow season i think i had 10 my season's late though too so like they'll be they'll be laid and then born so like so the clutches I, that I just hatched were actually like laid in uh 2022 so i count them from when they were laid and that's when i fill out the clutch card so yeah i had 10 yeah so i had 10 which was uh like the year before i had 21 so it was like it cut my production in half like and so then the, i had those ris that had popped up i'm treating them but like i'm super paranoid i like kind of like a germaphobe or whatever so i'm thinking like man is every girl that's not eating like sick and just not showing signs yet. And that's when I was like, man, I'm doing NIDO tests and stuff now. And so, uh, man, I, I spent probably close to $2,000 on NIDO testing. And just, man.
0: Did you NIDO yeah. test every animal in the collection? Did you just, like, uh, strategically choose certain animals to test? How would you go about that? Uh, I did it in order. So I did it in groups of, like, 20 at a time.
1: Because uh, I use RAL. Shout out to RAL. So it's uh, 25 bucks a test from them. And then you pay for your own shipping to get it there. So I was like, well, if I'm going to pay 30 bucks to ship this thing, I might as well squeeze 20 of these swab uh, things in there. So I was uh, was using them. But I started out with breeder males because they're the ones that see all the females. And then breeder females. And then I just worked my way back in age. And then hatchlings, in theory, shouldn't have it. So I just t- tested the adult side of the room. That's something I did, too. Is like the adults are all on one side. All my hatchlings are on the other side since I don't have multiple rooms at this point. So, like, when I do stuff with adults, that's like adult day. I don't even look at the hatchlings when I'm messing with adults. Just in case someone is sick over there, I don't just happen to track it over there and stuff, you know. So, gotcha. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good practice. A real good practice
1: yeah man and like looking towards the future i'm gonna i but when i bought this house i'm zoned where i can put another building on my property and stuff so i'm gonna put a building in the backyard and then all my breeder well all the whole breeding operation will be out there and then the room i'm in now will just be hatchlings only so when they're laid i'll bring them up here incubate them in this room and then they'll stay here so they won't ever have seen the adults so if something did pop up over there there's no chance the hatchlings will have it you know
0: Gotcha. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I know um I've heard a lot of people talk about they do it that way, like they keep the hatchlings like just completely separate from from yeah. everybody. Yeah. Um I'm not there yet, uh, but that makes perfect sense. Like right now we got a hatchling rack, it is on the other side, but it's not that huge of a room. But we are doing like sanitizing in between touching um the different animals. And so like that's one of the things that we do like from a uh, biosecurity perspective is just like sanitize and, and wash our hands frequently while we're cleaning and stuff like that. Um, right. I never like use the same tools in one room uh, that I will use in another room. So that's another thing I do that way. If there's like some kind of issue that can uh, travel, you know, what I'm saying by being on like a tool, like some tongs or something like that, at least right. it's isolated to one room because we do got reptiles in other rooms and so like we those rooms have their own tools for that room and they don't they don't leave that room and come into the other room and vice versa like uh tools in this room don't leave this room and go to another room so that's that's yeah. one of the things we do and then obviously like quarantining and things like that do you test uh new animals coming into your collection or do you just do like uh like a standard quarantine, like keep them separated from your the rest of the collection uh, for a certain amount of time.
1: Yeah, I do test animals as I do intake. I don't really buy too many animals now, but I just like over the past two or three weeks, I have picked up three boas. So I was waiting on the third one. So like tomorrow I'm going to, I'm going to swab those three boas and send them in for a Boyd panel all at once. And uh, yeah, so I do test on intake when they're coming from somewhere else. So then, the babies that I bought will have been tested that are on the baby side of the room. But other than that, I'm I'm not testing the babies I made here. So yeah, it's kind of where I'm at. Try to float the balance. I mean, as you're supposed to do follow up tests every so often and stuff too, which I do. Like now on the adult side, I'll just like I, I always tr- I always test something in the breeder male section and the breeder female section because that's. You know, they're seeing other snakes and whatever, you know. So that's where all the cross-contamination can come from now. So I'll just randomly – I'm so I'm testing the three boas tomorrow, and I picked out a a male and a female from the ball python side just to throw in the box and send off to you. So just as part of, like, a a random checkup, you know.
0: Gotcha. So now you're doing uh, more shows now, right?
1: Yeah, I never really had any intentions on doing shows until uh, I moved to Tennessee – and I vended with a buddy of mine, Great Balls of Fryer, uh, Moose. And uh, he he didn't have enough animals to fill his display, and he was vending in, in, in Knoxville. So uh, I was like, hey, man, just come to the show and bring some animals. We'll fill up my display and hang out with me. So I did it, and I really liked it. And then my boys really liked it. And like I said, they were making leopard geckos at the time. So I was like, hey, guys, if you guys want to vend... As small town exotics we can do that and we can sell your leopard geckos while i sell snakes and you guys can make a little bit of money i can make a little bit of money and so it's like a little family affair you know so
0: yeah that's what's up, that's what's up. and so that's actually a good segue into the show so let's kind of stick with the biosecurity theme uh before we uh do a deep dive into the shows but what is your biosecurity process um around like the animals that you bring to shows and talk about that a little bit
1: all right, so well, I look at biosecurity too as uh like the mite control too. So before my before the hatchlings leave this facility and go to a show, I treat them with Frontline. And you, and you, I don't know if you've ever used Frontline, but if you look at an animal and it's kind of shiny, you can kind of see it on there, man. I treat them with Frontline, so when I go to the show, ain't no mites gonna crawl over and, and get on my snakes, you know. But uh, then when I'm at the show. It's real hard, man. Like, I don't I don't go hold anyone else's animals when I'm there. And then you'll have those people that just want to come up and hold all your animals. And they're probably not buying. And I'm that guy that says no, you know, on that. You know, unless they seem like they're really going to buy or something. Like, they're really interested in that one animal. They come back like five times looking at that same animal, you know. I'm going to let them hold it. And then when I bring them home, I have those sea serpent racks on wheels and they go onto a different side of the room over there and they're just like in their own rack so those snake those babies aren't mixed up with my whole back babies they're in different racks they're all still in the same room but like i said there's a like i i have a certain order i do like babies have their own day for feeding and cleaning and i start with my whole backs that have never been anywhere start with them and then work my way over to the snakes that have been to shows And then after I'm done, you know, like doing whatever I'm doing that day, feeding, cleaning, whatever, then I wash up and I leave. And then whatever. I don't I don't touch the other side of the room, the adult room either after that. So
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um I did uh a ride-along yesterday with with Adam from Proper Rules. Yeah. And uh he did something. He's like, so he didn't really let people hold like his animals that were for sale, but he did have an animal that was like designated for holding. And it was primarily like geared towards the kids. Uh, So he had that one animal. And so like when a kid would walk up and say, Hey, can I hold your animal? Can I hold your animal? Then he had that snake that he let them hold. And like, so they can hold it. They can take pictures with it. They can touch it and stuff like that. But even before he allowed them to touch the animal, he uh, made everyone use hand sanitizer. But yeah, like people run from like, uh, booth, the booth, the booth, the booth, the booth, and and whole animals, just trying to hold as many animals as they can. And so, like, if there's something like, uh, like, lurking and like mites or something like that, is they can just run around and they can say, hey, you get mites, you get mites, you get mites, you get mites, um, because like I saw those that same group of kids. Nothing against those kids; they're just being kids. But I saw right. that same group of kids like go to like three or four different booths trying to hold people's animals. Right. And I,
1: I, I when I visited Nashville, I had that problem and I was like the second row in. So I know by the time they got to me, they've already held animals, you know, and stuff. I'm sure somebody had said yes at that point, you know. So I would just explain to the parents, like, hey, I, I don't really allow handling of the animals unless you're interested in buying a particular animal. There's communicable diseases and parasites that these things can carry and pass along to each other. And once I explained it to them, they were like, oh, well, we didn't know that. And yeah, I totally understand. They were they were receptive to it. So I That's hate right. having to go through that whole spiel. But I mean, there's yeah, I'm not just saying, you no. Just right. what you, mean, you know, I mean, I'm saying no, just like to keep my animals safe, you know.
0: <laughs> right. And they should respect that. Uh, have yeah. you had anyone on the opposite side of the spectrum? That was like still kind of like even after you explained it to them and broke it down to them, they were still kind of offended.
1: No, luckily, no. No, I did have a, uh, we we took some some leopard geckos to a show, and a lady got huffy and puffy. So like they were breeder quality leopard geckos that hadn't sold yet. So I sold them off as pets, zero genetics listed. You know all the lines and stuff that are associated with them. And one of the ladies like obviously knew what she was talking about, and she's like, "Well, what kind of albino is that, and what line, and blah blah blah." And I'm like, "Well, if I have okay. to tell, if I tell you that information, I'm gonna have to charge you a breeder price." And she was like rolls her eyes and stomps off and I'm like, <laughs> not getting a breeder quality gecko for 40 bucks. You know, but that's the only person I had Huffy and Puffy. I vended well with Moose, so I vended a total of three shows. So out of three shows, that's the only person that got Huffy Puffy over anything.
0: Gotcha. How you liking the show circuit?
1: It's cool, man. It's cool. Uh we have the show me reptile shows that uh vend around Tennessee. So I catch those and uh when when I can and then I am vending Tenley here in a couple weeks. I think it's two weeks away right now. So, uh, yeah, I'm sharing a, a table with my buddy Moose from Great Balls of Fryer. So he'll have two displays. I'll have two displays, and yeah, so going up there okay. to the big show, man. Excited. Yeah, for when that.
0: this show airs, it'll be like the Thursday before Tenley weekend. So it'll oh. be it'll be real timing. So All right. uh, y'all definitely make sure y'all stop by and go see Shane. Yeah. And yeah,
1: we'll, we'll have, uh yeah, we'll see, Great Balls of Fire, Small Town Exotics, man. We'll be at the same booth. We'll have my uh Small town, town Exotics. I got a big floor mat that rolls out in front of the booth, and we'll both have our signs up. I think, like, as far as the map goes, it's Great Balls of Friars spot. So if you want to, like, come see me, you got to look for Great Balls of Fire, and that's how you'll find me on the map. So
0: 100%. So are you planning on doing anything different at Tinley that you haven't done at, like, some of the show-me shows that you've done before?
1: um it's just basically the animals i'm gonna bring so when i'm vending locally here within the state i'm bringing like pet level animals because that's kind of what the the crowd is looking for there's not too many people looking for higher up animals so i I haven't even been listing any of the cool stuff i've been hatching lately on morph market I, i listed one the other day but uh i've just been saving it all for Tinley, so i'm just bringing the higher up stuff so that's basically the only difference i'm gonna do and i had to buy a different banner since we're sharing the same spot, I have an eight-foot by eight-foot like pop-up wall-style banner. Obviously, I can't do that when we're sharing an eight-foot space, so I got a, one of those retractable ones. But other than that, I'm not planning on doing much different. I was thinking about getting something like those things that magicians have where you can shoot fire out of your wrist and stuff, you know, like <laughs> get a big hat with a siren on top, you know, and stuff, but... I don't know. I don't want to be too much of a spectacle and get kicked out either, you know? <laughs> I have, knowing my luck, man, the fire sprinklers would go off or something. And then they'd be like, get this guy out
0: of here. You're banned for life. You know? And hey, you probably had like 15,000 new followers the next day though. So it'll be <laughs> worth <laughs> it. Yeah, I mean, in my head, it would look good with, like, strobe lights and fire
1: shooting out of my arms, and, you know, that looks good in my head, but I'm like, yeah, I don't know if that'll really work in real life, though, you know?
0: <laughs> I wish I could get to this, thing I will be there in October. Are you planning on vending in October?
1: I'm not sure on that one yet. I, I got to talk to Moose. Uh, I haven't planned it, like, with my work yet or anything, because I have to take time off for that one, but, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. So, yeah. so so typically though, my breeding season is over the winter. So I, I usually have more animals like like now versus October. So that's kind of why I, I plan on making Tinley March like my main show, even though it's the smaller of the Tinleys. That's actually that lines up with my production better. And then I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna start goodness. doing uh Reptilian Nation in September down in Atlanta. So I'm going to be okay. there. I'm going to be there this September. Uh, I'm vending with Nick Markham from TBM. He's a hognose breeder. But so when I go down there, though, it'll probably be I'll probably be bringing like hognose and leopard geckos more because that's I'll I'll be heavy on that end at that point in the year. So,
0: OK. Yeah, I actually met Nick at the Valdosta show. It was a okay. show me show. Yeah, that's where, I, that's where I met him. Real cool, dude.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, man. He's real cool. Like he just like totally opened his arms, like, hey man, if you want a table down here, I got you and everything. Like, cool, man. Yeah, I'll go. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I think hey, Atlanta, man. I haven't really been to Atlanta from here yet, but on the maps, it's like three and a half hours, so it's not far, you know.
0: Yeah, and it'll, it'll be plenty to do if you want to like go out and, and do something like after the show or whatever. It'll be something or just hang around. It, yeah, yeah.
1: I was told uh that the last september they had seventeen thousand people through the door so that's a that's a big number of people
0: oh wow i didn't realize the show was that big
1: yeah yeah it's a big show wow
0: okay okay
1: and and i think i'm not sure don't quote me on this but i think they're they would be the closest competition to narbc because when you go look at their calendar schedule they're like only a few shows a year and they're like california atlanta like strategic places throughout the united states they're not like touring a state over and over again you
0: know so yeah that makes sense um i i put together like a show listing uh a couple of weeks ago because i need to get to more shows and so i'm gonna try to make a make a uh effort to to get to more shows this year because i hadn't been getting to any like before yesterday because i went to uh the lakeland Repticon. like it was a smaller show but it, it was getting out there and i got to talk to some people and like network and stuff like that but I hadn't been to a show since like October 10th, which is it's borderline embarrassing in Florida because like we have a show every 30 seconds in Florida. Yeah, and so it's yeah. <laughs> so like, bro, why haven't you made it to any shows? And one of the reasons I hadn't made it to any shows is because like a lot of the stuff that we have to do, uh, we have to do it on the weekend because like I work a lot during the week, and so it's just like rearranging certain things and just making stuff work. You know what I'm saying? And so like that's what I had to do this weekend. And I'm just going to have to, like, do that more and more and more and just kind of, like, plan it. And so, like, I, I did a list of some shows and, like, uh, listed the shows, listed the dates, uh, kind of thought about, like, what I would have going on, like, during that time and, like, how far it is away and just, like, all kind of other factors like that. And so, like, I got, like, certain shows that I'm going to try to get to. Some are some definite yeses. Daytona is always a definite yes for me. Like, right. that's a given. Uh, October 10 is going to be a definite yes for me Uh, Arlington in September is still on the maybe list Uh, what else definitely the there's Tampa shows and Orlando shows here that are like some pretty good shows and so those are definitely some yeses and then it's like some others than maybe and then there's some other ones that's just like no at least for this year but I definitely need to make it to a lot more shows than I have in the past because a is fun um it's a good chance to hang out with people, see people in person. Um right. I was saying the other night that like social media is great, but it's still like not a substitute for like in-person meeting and just like really kind of getting to like network and commune with people like in person, but it's yeah. definitely a great supplement to that. And it's a way to get yourself out and it's a way to kind of like fill in those gaps. But I definitely need to get out in person a lot more often. So, definitely going to be doing that a lot more this year.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that, man. Like before COVID hit, uh, I did the I went, I just went to the show, the super show, the first time they went back to Anaheim, and that was like the weekend after New Year's, right the right the New Year's right before COVID hit. And like so that was fun. I filmed and like met a bunch of people at their tables and you know, got to put faces to Instagram accounts and all that stuff. But like going to the auction. Like, I had such a blast, man, because like I just sat there with this group of guys that I'd been interacting with on social media and just bullshitted the whole time, man. And it was like, it was just so fun, you know. And like, I don't even drink or anything. So, like, it wasn't like I was just sitting there, oh, it was so fun because I was hammered. Like, <laughs> oh, man. I mean, like, I was just having fun just talking to people in real life, man. Like you're saying, you know, I was, you know, just breaking bread with them, you know, bidding here and there. Like, I'd hear something like, oh, they got a, Yoda lamp, I'll, I'll bid on that, you know. And then just keep the <laughs> conversation going, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have you won um, anything at an auction?
1: Not on the the live part. I I won some at that one on the silent auction side, like some t-shirts and stuff. But like okay, man, I was like bidding up on this. Uh, uh there was a gift certificate from one breeder, and then there was a, a lamp, a Yoda from Star Wars lamp. But man, I mean they started getting up their high, and like once you get over a thousand bucks, I'm just like Man, I don't know, man. Like, uh I'll let it go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that, that time I wasn't producing any animals yet, so like all that money was like my my family money, you know. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, don't, yeah, I just can't justify it. Now that I make snake money, I could, you know, that's more like monopoly money. I'll be like, well, I'll suffer <laughs> in a, I'll suffer some other way. Like I can't buy a snake or whatever, but you know, it, it is going to a good
0: cause. Though, yeah, yeah, it's
1: going to a good cause now.
0: Yeah. So to uh, talk about uh, sales. Um, this is actually a good segue into that and kind of like how sales have been for you. And do you see any of that changing right now? And, and like, what are your plans? Um, so speak to that a little bit.
1: Yeah, as far as sales go, uh, I did see a lull. Uh, you know, during the COVID times, even into 2022, like everything just flew off the shelf. I would just make a, a YouTube video and there would be messages for most of the snakes. And then whatever didn't, I didn't uh, sell off of YouTube or Instagram directly. I just put on Morph Market and they would sell. uh I did experience a few months, uh, that was before December, like where I didn't have a single inquiry on Morph Market. And then they started picking back up again. Me personally, like the, the hog nose flew off the shelf still. Okay. So that species is still going. That's a tricky one to work with, though, because you can't ship them to every state. So I'm still learning. I, a funny little side story is like, I have this one animal. I sold it three times. The third time, I, the, the, this third time, it's actually getting shipped out. But the first two, because I'm not used to dealing with them, like somebody hits me up on Morph Market, like, yeah, you know, the animal sell, yeah, whatever. And then, like, oh, what's your email? I'll send you an invoice, send them an invoice. I'm like, all right, you know, where, where am I shipping it to? And they're like, Missouri. And I'm like, dude, I can't ship a hog nose to Missouri refund. Then I did it again the second time with the <laughs> same animal. Cause I'm so used to ball pythons. Like I can just, I don't have to worry about it, you know? So then the the third, so I refunded that second person who lived in Missouri as well. And then the third time I'm like, where do you live? And then she's like, Oregon. And I'm like, all right, I can, all right, let's do the transaction. I can ship it to you, you know? So that's a good species to work with. The cells are great there. Uh, like I said, there's like I think it's like five states though that you, that you can't ship them to. So there, that's the okay. downside of that of that species. And uh,
0: yeah, I didn't realize pythons,
1: that. Uh, the ball pythons, though, I've definitely seen a trend going for higher end. So like it's the higher end stuff that I produce that's not getting to morph market. I'm just selling them off Instagram and stuff, you know. So that's the trend. So it's only like the serious people right now that i'm with me that i noticed buying like i have sold some like lower qual, like lower level pet animals whatever you want to call them uh but definitely not like it, it was a year or two before you know
0: so, so for like the, the lower end pet quality animal, uh are you seeing most of those sales at the shows or are you still seeing some of that online a little bit online a couple at the shows uh man i got
1: some that like I'm going to have to upgrade their tubs. So I'm probably just going to uh, wholesale them out because like, I just don't want to mess with them. You know, I'm just like, I- I'm too busy with other stuff to really push pet animals. I could do like, I don't really mess around with the Facebook groups or whatever. I like, I could go post them to my local groups, but that's like dealing with Craigslist stuff. Like there's like a million people that want it. They always never meet you. I'm, I just, I'll am I wholesale. It. I don't care. Yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah. That Facebook market is hard. Like, um, uh, yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head when you say it's like crazy because it is a lot of like similarities on the Facebook market. Like they'll message you and be like, yeah, I'm I'm very interested. But then they want like 13 pictures, on like one where you're doing a headstand. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you
1: get past all that. They're like, okay, I'll meet you on this day. At this time, there's always a last minute. Oh, I can't meet you today. It's gonna have to be next week. And well, I'm like, I totally rearranged my weekend plans to meet you. But okay, you know, yeah, just, yeah. yeah, I'll just wholesale it. So
0: yeah, it's always like some creative story too. Like, man, I was gonna meet you, but then Thanos did a snap and like snapped away half my family, and so like now I can't meet you. Like, yeah, man. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> as far as the shows go, though. Uh, the leopard geckos have actually made the shows for us ball pythons i've only sold a couple at each show like one two three maybe each show the leopard geckos are the ones that like paid for the show and everything really so
0: gotcha and morph wise there's a ton of leopard gecko morphs, right yes and no so there's a bunch of different colors so that they're, they're
1: they're real big into line breeding so there's there is morse and stuff there there's recessive stuff like there's three different albinos they're not compatible with each other there's like four different kinds of snow they're not compatible with each other you're not supposed to cross any of those things that you know whatever but then there's a whole bunch like when they say tangerine it's like well what line of tangerine there could be 50 60 70 i don't even know how many there's just a million so like i don't know man it's it, the line breeding side's a a little above my pay grade. (laughs) I don't, I don't, I don't understand the whole history and stuff with it yet. I mean, I I understand how it works, but there's guys in there that know like which lines will enhance uh, each other and which, which lines will actually take away if you breed them together, like it'll, they'll cancel each other out and stuff too. So, I mean, that part's a little tricky. So I just kind of stay in my lane with what I got. We're, we're pretty small. I think we got, 16 adults, so we got six males and uh 10 females. So it's not okay. like we don't have like a whole room full of them, but man, I mean, one female they lay two eggs a cycle, like you breed them once and they'll lay, lay two eggs, and then like two to four weeks later, they'll lay two eggs again and two eggs. And like I had one female give me it was like 14 or 16 last year, and so like one oh, female, wow. yeah. But I it's mean, kind of weird, huh? yeah, off of one pairing. So Oh, wow. It's kind of weird how they're spaced out instead of like like having a clutch like they just you got a whole like age group of babies by the time she's done. So you got ones that are like teenager style all the way down to newborns. And it's all from that one breeding. So it's a a little different than like ball pythons or any, you know, any other reptiles. I think geckos are the only ones that do that two egg thing. I think that's part of their classification. That's what makes them geckos is they do the two eggs like multiple times.
0: Okay. And so how long does it take the eggs to hatch uh, once the female lays? This is what's cool about them.
1: So you determine their sex. So I can incubate them. I have a, a smaller incubator that I do hognose and female leopard geckos. in. I have that one set at 82. That'll hatch females. And that takes about 50 to 60 days, like the same as a ball python over there. But then if I want to hatch male leopard geckos, I put them in the ball Python incubator at 89.5. They'll hatch in about 45 days and they will be males. So that's, that's a cool side of leopard geckos. So you're like, I'll put a couple over here in the male section and then I'll hatch out a, an army of females over here, you know?
0: So how does the science work on that?
1: I'm not really sure, man. Uh, I heard I was, I listened to their podcasts uh, and stuff too. And like, there, I heard one of them say there's a theory because the way the weather pattern is over there in Pakistan and stuff where they live that like during the cooler part is when they first start laying. So they think that that's why the, the cooler eggs will be females. And then towards the end when it's hotter is when they hatch out males, they can all breed in a year too. So like when you hatch out a female, she's breeding next year. So then like that, the way they hatch them out is like, get the females out. The, the by the time it gets hot she's laid a couple male eggs and then when next year they're all grown up that male can run back to all the females like a theory of how they evolved that way but who knows if it's true or not but
0: okay and so is it similar to uh bob pythons where you can put like one male to like four or five plus females it's the same thing
1: yeah i'm not really sure what their the limit is on it since i'm pretty small i have you know i, I have my like males go to I think one male went to four females last year. But, yeah, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, yeah, I'm not really sure what the limit is on that. Like, how how far could you stretch a male? I'm not sure.
0: Gotcha. I know, like, with boas, uh, something that I learned um, the hard way in a lot of ways is uh, I didn't realize that you couldn't put one male to, like, multiple females in a season right uh, with the boas like it was more like kind of like a one on a one-to-one type thing with the with the uh males and the females um per season i didn't realize that and so like when i was getting some boas like initially when i first started buying boas i was kind of planning as if i would be breeding i didn't know 100 whether or not i would be breeding but i was kind of buying with the same strategy and it was just like a rookie mistake big time rookie mistake and so like i got a bunch of females not a bunch i got four but i only got one male and so i uh, wasn't thinking like in the boa world anyway but i'm not gonna breed boas now like they're more of like pets and so it doesn't really matter now but i didn't know that like going into it that you can like spread a male across like multiple females so yeah yeah hog- hog-
1: hog Males are kind of similar i mean you don't like cohabitate them like you do with boas and during breeding but uh you you kind of want to keep hognoses at like a one to two one to one one to two as well you can't spread that male out through like four or five six females not that i mean i'm sure there's somebody that can do it but not me it's not me so
0: (laughs) gotcha Gotcha.
1: something about like the females don't retain the sperm like as well as like a ball python does so you got to like just keep pairing them and hope you catch that ovulation and so if you're if he's seeing a different girl every week, you're going to be missing one, those other ones, you know? So,
0: got you. Yep.
1: but I just got a few boas too, man. That's going to, that's my like retirement animals. I got some locality boas. So, uh, just grow them slow and just keep them around. I, I love boas. So
0: what locality
1: I got Tara Humara and then I got a Sonoran female. Okay. I'm just going to stay in that boa Sigma, the Mexican boas that stay small. So, uh, yeah, I, I I love boas.
0: Boas are cool.
1: Yeah, man, I I love their personalities, and to me, they're like head structure and just the way they look is like the the most beautiful snake out there, in my opinion. So yeah, I don't boas, mind having.
0: Oh
1: yeah, man. I mean, they're sweet. No, like boas and berms were my first love in the reptile world, like late '90s, early 2000s. So uh, now that I know that there's these smaller species of boas, I'm like, man, I'll get some of those and just keep them around and let them chill since they don't get like 9 10 12 foot, you know big old monsters they just stay small right, that's like the best of both worlds to me you
0: yeah? know yeah 100% 100% yeah i i really like my bulls and <clears throat> ooh went down the wrong pipe there yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i i really like my bulls uh i got one that like she's just so derpy and like she's the one i hang out with like the most um like just out of all of them just because of how like derpy she is like it's just crazy like just yeah it's, and it's amazing like because before like getting into reptiles like i didn't realize like how uh how much of an individual like a lot of the reptiles are like even like within the same species like all my boas, they got like their own own quirks and whatnot i mean all of my animals like all the reptiles like each one right. has his like own quirks and stuff like that there's just like little things like that that you 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 don't realize until you like get in it, you know what I mean. And so like yeah. if you're attention to your animals, you can you can like pick up on those quirks, and you kind of like know what's normal for that one versus uh what's abnormal because what's normal for one might be completely abnormal for another one. Um, and so like that's pretty cool too.
1: Right, and even like uh Latara Humaras, I got a uh, big shout out to Chris Shelley from BNS. He I got him from him, but uh okay. So I got a male and a female from him. And like the female is like huffing and puffing. And like, she thinks she's a, she's a Billy, you know, she thinks she's badass, you know, bad Yeah. And, and the boy is just like, he comes out and he's just like totally chill and they're siblings and everything, same species, same locality, siblings, and like total opposite personalities, you know? Yeah. She's yeah. like out gaping, ah, hissing and all that shit. <laughs> he just comes out and he just wants to cruise around, you
0: know? <laughs> man, Chris knows a ton about a lot of different, uh, reptile species. Yeah. Uh, Chad and I were uh, joking in the chat. Well, Chad was in the chat, but, uh, it was during, um, Thursday show. And he was saying, man, I'm, I'm realizing that I'm just a ball python guy. And like Chris is really a reptile guy, but yeah, I, I feel him on that. Chris knows a ton about a lot of different species. So it's just amazing just to like, Hear how much he knows and just listen to him like drop knowledge about different species and different experiences with different animals. So it's pretty dope.
1: Yeah, he's a great guy to deal with too. And you, you got that was a good interview you did with him too. I listened to it too. I, I listened good. to all the audio versions and everything. Appreciate it.
0: Appreciate my busy it.
1: life or whatever. But yeah, like the audio version, man. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good episode. That was a good episode.
0: Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Um, I I like doing I like putting the audio version out there just because it gives folks a different option because everyone yeah. don't necessarily want to look at it on youtube or everyone like when youtube if you don't got like youtube premium it closes down on you and so it's like just easier just to have audio version out there and might reach some people that you might not have otherwise reached so definitely appreciate you uh tuning in to the audio version of the podcast
1: oh yeah man i got a, a 40 minute drive one way to work so like i just listen to podcasts there and back every day you know and uh then there's quiet times at work and if if it's quiet enough i'll throw in an earbud and pick up on the podcast i was listening to as well which i mean you can do it with the youtube one but it's like it's playing right or at work like i have to put it in my lunch box and then my phone's in there bouncing around in my machine And yeah audio versions better for for me yeah i appreciate you doing the audio version thank you
0: (laughs) yes sir no problem appreciate you uh checking it out um i've been trying to get a lot of people to uh make sure they put their uh podcast on the audio version because i mean again it's just it's another option for folks and so right might as well why not
1: yeah i mean like uh, this style like an interview and stuff is is easily uh you can comprehend it with the audio version like if you're like showing off snakes or something like that yeah you need a video with it but like this you know the youtube version of us like interacting is cool and then audio version doesn't take much away from it if you're driving or whatever too so
0: yeah 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 100 100 and i try to conduct the interview like as if and let I me, mean, let me i'll probably edit that part out but anyway <laughs> i try to i try to conduct the uh the you the, the, the interview like it's gonna be on an audio version right and so like i try not to do like way too much just like you have to watch it to understand what's going on because right. i i want to cater to those folks too and i want them to be able to enjoy the episode too so like it's hard sometimes because like a lot of times i just want to like have folks show their snakes and so sometimes i do like hey show that show that show that but i try to conduct it in like a way that's going to cater to uh someone who's watching on youtube as well as cater to someone who's listening to the audio version otherwise like it's kind of like i feel like it's shortchanging the person who listened to it on the audio it's like oh man i would listen to this but they're doing so many things that I have to be watching the video that it doesn't make sense for me to listen to it. And I realize people's time is valuable. And so I want to honor that um, in the best way possible.
1: Yeah. And and I mean, the more, more versions you have like platforms and stuff out there, the wider audience you're going to reach too. you know, because, Maybe someone doesn't like YouTube for some reason. I don't know why they wouldn't, but you know, maybe they just like, oh, I don't listen to YouTube, but oh, I'll listen to the Apple Podcast or Spotify or something, you know. So make it available. Like my my personal the videos I make for my channel, I also put them on that other platform, Rumble, too. So I just
0: yeah, I love. see you, you drop a lot on Rumble. Um, I think I dropped like one video, so I'm definitely slacking on Rumble, but I see you drop a lot. Like I think you probably like, the most active person in the reptile community on Rumble. Yeah, what if YouTube gets mad? What if YouTube
1: gets mad at all of us reptile guys and kicks us all off the platform? I'll be like, well, I've already got Rumble like established, so like I'm already there, you know. So all right, cool. I got Plan B's over there. Obviously, mm-hmm. I don't get nearly the amount of views over there, but it's a backup. Like, what if something happens with YouTube and my just my account gets deleted? Then I got everything over there too. Like, hey man, I made this video. If they had a question about a snake or something, like. Go over on Rumble and check out this clutch, you know, whatever that video is, you know. So
0: gotcha. Gotcha. So um getting back to like work and doing the snakes and family and just like work-life balance overall. Uh, do you ever have some challenges in that space, like with so much going on?
1: all the time man all the time it's like a a never-ending battle on where is the balance at you know it's uh it's rough and like right now i work nights so that adds more to that you know so i like i said at one point when COVID hit i was doing two videos a week and that was a lot of work man like with just everything else in my life but uh it helped and and I, I kind of looked at it like, you know, people are stuck at home. So let's give them more content, you know,
0: right. and, uh,
1: help them deal with whatever they might be going through. But then as, as the world started going back to normal, I went back to one a week. And like right now it's hard for me to even hit the one a week. I, I've missed like one or two weeks since I've been back, but it's hard, man. Cause like my collection's grown. So like what I do personally is like, I work at night, I come home, I go to bed at eight in the morning. I wake up at two. I spend a couple hours cleaning snakes. My boys come home from school at like four. Me and them cook dinner together at five. My wife comes home. We all have dinner. Watch an episode of Yellowstone or something with the wife. Then I'm off to work and then just keep repeating. And that's the way I found my balance. So but it's a it's always a it's always a battle though, you know, because I'm not like, well, I need more time with the snakes or I need more time with the family. And it it's rough, yeah, man, but i think uh it pays off though too you know like i'm i'm looking at the the whole reptile thing is kind of a supplemental retirement like if it ever became full-time that would be cool too but i don't plan on quitting my day job anytime soon but like as i get older maybe i only want to work my day job part-time and then do reptiles more you know so i'm just i'm kind of looking at it more like that like five ten fifteen years down the road so the The more I put, the more work I put in now is going to pay off better in the long run.
0: Gotcha, Playing the long game. Yeah. If I
1: could, I would never sleep and I would just run my life 24 hours, but (laughs) I am human and I have to sleep. So
0: (laughs) yeah. And it catches up with you. Like, um, I know me, it definitely catch up with me. Like I I can run and run off, uh, a little bit of sleep for like X amount of time. But at some point, like I got to kind of like chill, relax get some rest and reset. And then I can do it again. But at some point, like you just got to, you kind of got, you owe it to yourself. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I know when I'm, I'm really pushing it. Cause I'm the kind of guy that like, I always wake up, like, it, it could be five minutes or 30 minutes, but sometime right before my alarm, like my internal alarm knows that my alarm is going to go off and I'll wake up and turn it off and get up. But there's times that like a couple of times here recently, I, I've apparently woke up and turned I have two alarms set Alexa and my phone and I've turned both of them off and went back to sleep and not remember. And I'm like, Oh, it's time to like do a sleep day and catch up. You know?
0: Yeah. So yeah.
1: I, I Now that I'm older, I pay attention to my body like that, but you know.
0: It, yeah. I've it, had those days where my alarm went off and I just didn't feel like getting up. And so like I hit snooze like a couple of times. And then like later that day when I'm going through my phone, like I might be searching for a picture and realize like, I must've like, Clicked and did a screenshot of my alarm. Uh, when I hit snooze, it's not like I got this screenshot of like five o'clock, 503, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just random ass screenshot like that. That always makes me like chuckle and laugh, like later on, uh, during the day, like oh yeah, yeah, I was struggling yeah. this morning.
1: <laughs> and then another way I, I do balance too is like I I've kind of told you how me and the boys do leopard geckos together. So then like on Sundays we come in here and do all the waters, do the leopard geckos. And then my boys vend the shows with me. And then when the show's local or or drivable, my wife will come too, and she, she hangs out with reptile people. Some of them too. Even though my, my wife's kind of like a reptile person, but kind of not, you know, she kind of floats in and out. So uh, yeah. So if, if I can combine everything, then that really helps you know because then i'm taking care of the reptile business and doing family stuff at the same time so
0: gotcha gotcha so uh if you weren't doing reptiles uh what would you be doing like with your free time like would you be pursuing like some other kind of like uh business venture or would you just like strictly be hanging out with family or something else
1: that's a hard question honestly i mean i'm not really sure uh reptiles came at like the the right time in my life man because i was shutting down another business i used to have a tree trimming service okay I i was shutting that down and uh so i was i basically just put the money from that business into the reptile business but uh i'm like real i'm like a squirrel man i'm always bouncing around and like i know i need to relax but i never do so like i don't know what i would do if i didn't have reptiles i'm sure i'd be up to something but Uh, the reptiles keeps me home and in the house so that's a payoff for the family you know because like when i was doing other stuff like all that stuff would take me away from the house you know so yeah i don't know man i I couldn't really picture my life without reptiles at this point
0: yeah good point yeah so we only been doing it like since 2020 but it's like really completely changed our life and I couldn't honestly picture my life without it now either. And it's only been what three years now. Right. But it just it just changes everything. And it's for me for us, it's been changed for the better overall.
1: Yeah, and uh I've kind of t- talked about this on other podcasts, but I'll talk about it a little bit here. So, like when I got into reptiles, I was a year sober from drink like away from drinking. So that used to be like if I wasn't working my normal job or my side business, I used to just sit around and drink and listen to music and stuff. And, uh, so I I did a lot of like 12 step programs and stuff and, and still do. But, uh, like reptiles kind of took the place of what used to be my drinking, sit around, just get hammered time, you know? And I think doing reptiles is a better example than, uh, sitting around getting drunk in front of my kids, in my opinion. So.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. That's dope. And it's done that for a lot of people, like, insert, like, whatever vice here. Reptiles has helped them, like, focus on the reptiles and focus on doing something different. And they didn't have to focus on that. And they got away from that. So that's another dope thing about reptiles that a lot of people don't understand. I know I personally didn't understand it uh, before getting into this and hearing people's story and, like, stuff like that. So that's just another dope thing um, that reptiles has helped do for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, man, and I didn't really realize it at first, but then uh every year I get my chip saying how many years I've been sober or whatever, and that's really the only time I like post about it on my reptile page. And it's just like for encouragement for anyone else, but like when I do post my my new chip every year, I'll get a ton of messages from people like, "Yeah, I, I did the same for me," or, "You know, I'm at 2 years," or "I'm at 15 years." There's a lot of people out there that have a similar story to me. So it's just it's encouraging to me. As well as it's encouraging to them, it's like a, a cycle, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, he's doing something similar to me and has a similar story, and, you know, it's working. So it, I like it.
0: Yeah, that's what's up, man. Congratulations, too. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. So what else you got on the horizon uh, for small town anxieties? Like, what's next? Anything?
1: <sighs> Nothing. I mean, Tenley has been my main focus for. In the past few months well actually longer than that so that's why I kind of vended these first local shows to like get my feet wet and get my routine down and stuff so Tinley was, has been like my main short term focus as far as long term focus it's mainly just keep working my G-Stripe clown with Hypo and DG in there and uh, adding the building is like the next big step is adding the building in the backyard I want something that's like 14 or 15 foot wide by about 20 to 30 foot long. So then like, I'm good for a long time, you know, just, that'll be all breeders. And, and that's like my, my main goals for small town. And then of course, just keep making my YouTube videos and posting on Instagram and interacting with as many people as I can, man. I mean, uh, that's what it's all about to me. And I love to help people because a lot of people helped me in the beginning. So like, anyone messages me man if i can help them with any other questions i always do man I, I believe in that paying it forward and paying it backward and sideways in every
0: direction you know? <laughs> Everywhere. like Everywhere. people help
1: me so like i feel like happy to be able to help anyone else man and that's a uh, that's just like part of like being a recovered alcoholic and addict too man like that's what we do in that program too so that's what i do over here as well you know and just Got try it. to just keep people alive and keep them going you know
0: you planning on making a YouTube video uh, at Tinley? I've
1: been thinking about it, man. I'm I'm trying to think of a different angle because me personally, I'm not saying anything bad about anyone that doesn't but like I got burned out of like, just people going around filming videos at a show because like, I don't know, I've seen like 2 million of them at this point. So I'm like, what if I just did one where it was just like everyone that stopped by my booth, they said, Hi, I'm like their name and whatever whatever their brand is, and then it just clips to the next one. They're like, this is how many people stopped by my booth this weekend. I don't know, just something different, you know?
0: Yeah, uh, so
1: the one thing that this is my very first 10 10-lead period, so like I'm happy to be vending oh, it, but really? on the, yeah, so but on the flip side, I won't be able to walk around because I'm just going by myself for this show, so like I won't have anyone to watch my booth, like not like someone of my family. I mean, Moose and Jan from Great Balls of Fire could, but. I, I'm just I want to be at my booth, you know, so I won't get to really adventure around until the show shuts down. And so, yeah, maybe, they're,
0: they're, maybe Friday you can get to to walk around like it'll be before all the people there. But maybe you get to walk around and like chat with like some of the other vendors and stuff or some of the people who the VIP passes.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. But then I was thinking like. Yeah, but no, my luck, I would walk over to the next row to go talk to somebody, and somebody with a VIP badge is like, hey, I want that snake. Oh, he's not here, and we'll walk on to somewhere else, you know?
0: <laughs> That's a good point. That's a that would have been
1: my best sell of the whole show, you know? like, <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was going to buy that snake for five grand, but I went and spent it over here because you were over there talking. I'm like, oh, man.
0: <laughs> you Doing your YouTube shit.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've seen you with the camera. We didn't want to interrupt you, though, so we went somewhere. else. <laughs> oh, like, oh yeah, man, my luck.
0: <laughs> so when you uh establishing a new building, you're gonna do like uh YouTube, like uh, yeah, yeah, and that and
1: whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah, from the ground up, I'll document that whole process, man, because that's uh that was a big regret I had when I started my YouTube channel. Like I did a garage conversion in in California, and I should have filmed that. What I did. Because after I did, it, it's right when I, I started my YouTube channel after it was built. And then, like, everyone asked about my room. And then once I said, oh, yeah, I converted a garage, it was like I constantly explained what I did. And I was like, I should have just filmed a video. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I like documented the whole process. And then I could have just shared the video to anyone because I was like, yeah, I split a garage in half this way. And mini split over here and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, man, I should have just filmed that. That probably would have been one of those videos that's still getting hits today too, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%.
1: Yeah, exactly. Those are like those style videos are the ones that always get views. Like, I did I did a random like how do I feed frozen thought and those videos still get views to this day, you
0: know. Yeah, cuz some, somebody's always looking for that. Yeah. Yeah. Always, always. So, are those the types of videos that you uh find getting the most views uh generally speaking? Yeah, um but
1: those are the videos I I kind of chose to step away from. So when I was doing, when I was collaborating with the four horsemen, I was also learning YouTube at the same time. And uh, I learned what I was comfortable doing, you know, like I was like, I'm sure you dealt with it with podcasting too. Like when you first start out, you're, you're learning the ropes and you don't kind of know what you're doing. And then you finally eventually find your style and hone in on it. And uh, yeah, I, I figured after a while, like, there's guys like Rob and Rich that do these like how to videos and genetic explanations. Those guys do it way better than me. So I'll just stay in my lane over here with, oh, look what I got here. And this is what I'm hatching. And I like to bounce all <laughs> over anyway. So that's a, just kind of what I don't know. I just learned my own little style that way. And those guys helped me out the whole way too. So
0: yeah. And like with me, um, like you hit the nail on the head. Like when I first started out, like I kind of had like a general idea of like some stuff I wanted to do, but like a lot of stuff, like you don't know until you like go through it and like, you see what works, you see what doesn't work. Um, I'm still, uh, learning stuff every day. Um, still getting used to certain stuff. Like, for example, um, when I started out, I was the only person, uh, doing the show. Like, and what I mean by that is like, I was controlling like the comments cause you know, I usually do it live. I was controlling the banners and stuff like that. And right. so, um, uh, then my wife, Takara, she started helping. And so that made things so much easier. So now when I do stuff and, and she's not doing it, I don't even think about doing it. Perfect example. Like I didn't even have any of the banners running through like this whole show. And I just thought about that. And so it's like you get out of like the habit of doing like certain things and I don't even think about it. So I'm going to start the banner now. Uh, the audio folks, y'all don't even got to worry about it because y'all don't see the banner. Uh, but the video folks, my bad. I don't have ban- banners going but like little things like that you learn. And so I learned like that was like so much easier, like to have uh, someone helping. And that made it to where I could focus more on the conversation and just be more cognizant of like what was going on. And so I felt like that made things like flow smoother, Uh, the style of thumbnails, the style of the flyer, just like little things like that, uh, things you want to talk about, uh, just all of that. Like it's just, it's just, ongoing learning experience but you you hit the nail on the head like you you go through it and you start figuring out your style and then you start honing in on that
1: yeah and like uh like when I went and did a I mean me and Brian Cusco filmed on each other's channel at his house and uh he's he's a great like for information on vlogging and all the cameras and all that stuff man great source of information and he's like the kind of guy that tells you where to find the answer instead of telling you the answer. So like he sent me down all these little rabbit holes that I went down. And and through that process, though, I, I finally came to this conclusion. It's like, well, what am I, man? Am I a YouTube vlogger or am I a reptile breeder? Cause like I need to make a decision here. And I was like, well, I'm a reptile breeder that happens to have a YouTube channel, not the other way around. Cause like I was like, Oh, I need all this, I need drones, I need all this stuff. I'm like <laughs> No, I don't. I'm not even comfortable doing that kind of stuff, anyways, man. Like, I don't need the latest, greatest camera, man. I just do this bounce around, cut, jump edit style, and that's me. And but that helped me learn that about myself. So I'm I'm grateful to Brian Cusco for kind of sending me down those rabbit holes and uh and figuring myself out, you know.
0: Gotcha. 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 Yeah, like um that's one thing I asked myself like too. Not not the exact same question, but What I'm trying to do now is separate, like, my Herb Collective page and my Clutch Conversations page, because what I'm noticing is, like, my Herb Collective page is primarily, like, Clutch Conversations, and I still want to share stuff about the animals, and I want to, like, force myself to, to share more things about the animals, share more pictures, and, like, start doing more reels and stuff like that. So what I ultimately want to do is have the two separated, right? And so on the Hurt page, it's going to be like more of the snake stuff, more of the reptile show stuff, uh, reels and stuff like that, that are like focused on the snakes, focused on the reptiles, but then the clutch conversations, uh, that'll be stuff that's focused on the show. Um, I'm building up my following on the clutch conversation side. And then at some point, I'm going to like say, hey, from this point on, the show stuff by and large will mostly be on clutch conversations. Like I still share stuff on my stories on the Herb Collectors page and by and large though, like mostly all of the clutch conversation stuff is gonna be on the clutch conversations page. And then everything like reptile related, like the animals and stuff like that, the reels and all that good stuff. That'll be on um the Herb Collectors page. Cause I, I want that separation between yeah. the two. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, I feel like there's not like a good balance if that makes sense. No, it totally
1: makes sense. Because like, if somebody does go to your page, they'll be looking at it and it'll be like a reel of an animal and then something to do with the podcast and then the animal, and they're, like, well, what is this page about again? Like I'm confused.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what does this guy do? <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm like you though, know, like I don't I don't share like any I don't I hate to say like throwaway stuff, but I do a lot of that other stuff like with my YouTube channel just on my stories. And then, like my my IG like page is all about my animals, so I kind of separate it that way. But my my main focus is my animals, not my YouTube. So that that's how I kind of so you know. But on on Facebook, I share stuff to the small town exotics page, you know, links and whatever. But yeah, I don't ever uh, I don't share my YouTube channel to my IG unless it's in the stories. Is how I separate it
0: that makes sense that made perfect sense and i just share more pictures of like the snakes and stuff uh before um i had the youtube channel and the the show and now i've like kind of gotten like um comfortable just like putting more clutch conversation stuff on my herp collectors page so i'm definitely gonna like separate the two for sure
1: yeah it makes sense man i think that's a good way to go
0: All right, bro, so I got some random questions for you uh, before we let you get out of here and enjoy the rest of your night. And so the first one is, if you could live anywhere in the world, anywhere, where would that place be and why?
1: Honestly, man, I, I would say probably Alaska. I just like that, that frontier style. That's just – I don't know that's just like in my genes or something i've always been like my wife called me a mountain man even though we're from california <laughs> i've just always been like i'd rather be up in a mountain somewhere than anywhere else you know so i just think alaska would be the best for me i would suck breeding snakes up there and shipping them out but <laughs> alaska would i would say alaska
0: yeah the cold would get me man you know i ain't probably in my whole life i've probably seen Four inches of snow total. Probably my whole life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because places that I visit that it snows a lot, I'm never like visiting during that time when it's snowing. Like I've been in places like Chicago, for example. I've been there like November. It wasn't really snowing, but it was like cold as hell when I was there. Like the wind was blowing. It like just basically blew right through. Oh, Um, yeah everything like it was crazy but i've never seen a whole bunch of snow i do want to see a whole bunch of snow i don't want to live where it snows a lot all the time but i i do want to see it though um yeah yeah that's on my bucket list but to date i haven't seen a whole lot
1: yeah i've been around it off and on my whole life and like i'm i wouldn't want to live in it too much but like when the snow is thawed out in Alaska, man, like just well, from what I see of it, it just looks like the most beautiful place on earth to me.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. And so uh the next one is if you had $10 million to invest, how would you invest?
1: I would probably put uh eight million, eight to nine million in all real estate. My wife's a property manager, so I would have her managing all those properties. Nice. And that would be our, that would be our job after that. We would just do all of our money through that. And then I would put a million or two into the snake business.
0: Nice. That's what's up.
1: Yeah. And then that would be my own own little, like my own little business to keep me busy. And then she could do all the real estate stuff and make the real money over there. And I'll be over here making snake money.
0: (laughs) Any particular type of real estate?
1: I don't know. I would kind of ask her, but, uh, I would definitely want some single family homes and some apartment complexes. That's uh, okay. that's that's kind of like her specialty, what she does. And so I, I've been, me and her been married. Uh, well, we've been together, what, 13 years now. So I, I feel like I know a lot about property management at this point because like I she's worked from home for part of her career. Like I've helped her with stuff. So nice. uh, that would probably be, I mean, I would definitely look into commercial and all that stuff too, but. Uh, I would say single family homes and, and apartments. And then, you know, it would be nice to have like uh, a couple places, like maybe something in Alaska, maybe something in Florida, like Airbnb type properties where me and her can go stay at, you know, when people aren't staying there too, you know?
0: Gotcha. Okay. So, go. so it
1: pays it for itself and we can go vacation there, you know, something like that.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what's up. All right. And so you can have dinner with any three people, dead or alive who would it be and why well
1: i hate to copy chris on one of them but i'm gonna say jesus muhammad and hitler because i think those three guys have like changed the world for better or worse like they changed the course of the world those three people so i just just want to sit down with them you know you know hitler would be probably behind bars or something you know but like cage him up but and you know Jesus, like Slot the man.
0: Tray under the uh, sail.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, like those three people. So, like Jesus and Muhammad, I mean, their religious movements have shaped the face of the earth, man. I mean, certainly. I mean, here in America, we see the Christian side of stuff, but you know the Muslim side of the stuff. I mean they've they've had a profound impact on the whole world as a whole. So, I would just like to sit down with with those two guys and see what made them tick, man. You know, like what what how did they inspire like so many followers, you know, like there, there had to be something about them, you know? So that's, that's, I would like to sit down with those two for that. And then, uh, kind of the same thing with Chris on, on Hiller, man, just like, what the hell was he thinking? Like, yeah. what? I mean, that dude, uh, had a profound f- effect on a global scale in a short period of time, like where Jesus and Muhammad, it was more of a slow grow. Like it turned into something way bigger, like centuries, you know, as the centuries went on and stuff. But yeah, man, I think it'd just be interesting. If I had to choose a fourth, I'd choose like Alexander the great. I mean, he was like the first world conqueror. I mean, like, like what made those kind of people tick, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, like just their thought process, just like, what were they like, you know, those kind of people.
0: Yeah. Yeah that's a good point yeah i thought about that when chris said it but yeah that, that's a good point just like like what what were you thinking and and why are you thinking that way and like like just really like questions just to like really dig in not because you want to like do anything similar to them but just like nah. natural curiosity and just understanding you know what i mean yeah
1: yeah man that, that's why i bring up like alexander the great like not as many people talk about him today but he was like the first world conquer i mean like that dude was pretty ambitious for being like in the ancient times to do what he did.
0: And you could know? probably learn some good business strategy. So
1: this what, what I'm, I'm saying. That? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of philosophy there that you can apply to today's world, man. Just a state of mind, the way they thought, you know, just like, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah,
0: 100%. 100%. So if there was one question you wish I would have asked you, what would be that question? And how would you have answered it?
1: man i think you asked all the good questions um yeah i don't know i don't even know how to answer that one the one that no one ever asked is how i got my name but we already kind of covered that so got it so that, that's the question i wished all the all the other people i've done uh, collaborations with or interviews with would have asked but nobody ever asked it but we already answered it so i guess that's a fast answer <laughs> but <laughs>
0: that's what's up that's what's up well shane it's been a wonderful outstanding show man i really appreciate you coming on the show uh, i hope you kill it tilly man i hope you you sell everything you bring hope you have a blast um and, and hope to get to meet you in person one day are you going to any other other like big shows like like a daytona or something like that
1: daytona is definitely on my bucket list man so this year i'm gonna go to reptilian nation in september But I was thinking the following year, I'm going to I'm going to change some kind of show up because I definitely want to go down to Daytona, man. I I know a bunch of Florida people that I got to meet in real life and everything, too. So Daytona is definitely a big one. Now that I'm on this side of the United States, I don't really have an excuse, man. It's drivable. So,
0: yeah, you definitely got to make it to Daytona. Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: It'll be dope. man. Well, I know there's no one in the chat right now. But there will be some people in the chat when we air this. So I appreciate everybody coming out. I appreciate everybody watching the replays of the videos, showing support. Please make sure you go and follow Shane everywhere, Small Town Exotics. Uh, The links to his social media, um, those links are in the description of this video. So definitely make sure you go out and show support. Is there anything you want to say to folks before we get out of here?
1: Well, I want to say thank you to you for having me on and thank you for doing this pre-recorded version since my schedule is kind of weird to work around. I really appreciate that. I say you're killing it, man. I, I've been listening to your podcast for a while now, man, and I, you're definitely doing good things. So thank you for having me on, man. It's an honor for me to be on your show, honestly. So, thank I
0: appreciate you. it, bro. I appreciate it. I appreciate the support, and it was an honor to have you on. Um, It's funny, real quick uh, story before we get out of here. So I was thinking about this earlier today. Um. When I first started the show, I had a list of a bunch of people that I wanted to have on the show, and I went back through because I had uh I hadn't looked back at the list for a while. Like I kind of knew in my head like the folks who I wanted to show, but I went back through the other day and start like marking people off the list. And you were one of the people that was on that list, and so like I got to, <laughs> to mark out the list. I was like, yeah, man, getting through this list and it felt good, you know what I'm saying? To to hit the checks because like the people who I invited on the show are people who I have seen either if it's in social media or but I just been intrigued with what they do and you're somebody always from the get-go who I was intrigued with what you do uh somebody who I had a lot of respect for you were a likable person I saw you're building a lot of good relationships and doing things the right way in this industry so definitely uh one on the bucket list I appreciate having you on the show
1: Oh, I appreciate all the kind words and I appreciate to everyone that's watching this video or listening to the audio version too, man. Thanks for checking us out and uh, thank you.
0: Yes, sir. So thank y'all for coming out. Be blessed. Peace.